one thing that I've I've learned as I spent more time in the finance industry is that everyone's perspective is just that. It's their perspective. Yeah. You will talk to 10 different people and there are 10 different ways to manage your money. There is no like one stop shop or one particular method that is the cure all for everyone. Yeah. So it's really important to to make sure that whoever you're talking to aligns with your values and aligns with how you would like to move forward because there are so many different philosophies out there that if you get synced up with someone um, that that might not be managing your money or advising you in the ways that aligns with your values, mm-hmm. you're kind of wasting your time and theirs. Welcome to the Life Coach Baker podcast. I'm Nicole Baker, life coach for perfectionists who want to set goals and actually follow through with them. I went to my first personal development seminar at the age of one. Yes, I was quite literally born into this industry. But by 15, I started to implement this mindset mumbo jumbo I'd heard so much about and it worked. As a recovering perfectionist myself, I've been able to set goals that are way out of my comfort zone and achieve them by doing things imperfectly, without self-judgment, and without the fear of their opinions. And now I help others to do the same. So if you are capital D done feeling like a hostage to this a-hole called perfectionism, then this show is for you. My goal is for you to leave each episode with tactical action steps that you can start to implement in your life now. I may be in my 20s. I may have the voice of a sassier Cinderella, but I've been doing this personal development-ish since I was a toddler. So let's dive in. What is up, my sweet friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Life Coach Baker podcast. Here we are today. I'm so excited, actually. Um, This conversation with Amanda Hill has been just such a long time coming and I've been so excited to sit down and talk with her and I'm so glad we were finally able to make it happen and Lord, she did not disappoint. Oh my gosh, she's amazing. For those of you who don't know, Amanda is a financial advisor and planner for individuals and families so she knows a lot about the money world, honestly. And um, we're returning back to our conversation on money because I'm just hearing over and over and over again from this community how much of a painful, dark abyss it feels like. And so um, as my job as host and wanting to get you guys the information that makes you feel like you can take more control of your life, Amanda came straight to the rescue. A really cool fact about her, she's also the host of the Life Not Wasted podcast, and I strongly urge people to go check it out. She'll talk about it in the episode, so I'm just going to tease it here, but I, I'm just, I'm so jazzed. It's such a good show. I love it. Um, I want to note before we dive into the show that while Amanda is a financial advisor, this is all going to be more general info, please. And we've said this in all our money topics and podcast episodes The best way for you to get money advice on what you as an individual should do in your money journey is to talk to someone. And Amanda confirms exactly what I said a few episodes ago. A lot of financial planners and advisors will do discovery calls for free so you can get that personalized info without spending a freaking dime, but you can talk to someone who is in the industry. So while this is all really a great info and she is straight from the source, my goodness, we really do want to reiterate that the best financial advice for you is something that is personal for you. And we can't put that out in a general podcast episode. So I'm going to really hit the the hammer on the nail. That's not right. You know what I'm trying to say. And that is, please just go talk to someone. Amanda lists off some really great resources at the end of the episode. So take advantage of those. Without further ado, my friends, let's dive back into the realm of money with the delightful recovering perfectionist herself, Amanda Hill. Welcome to the show, Amanda Hill. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am so excited. This conversation has been such a beautiful, like long time coming. We've gotten a chance to really like get to know each other and talk and, and, and really learn about each other's 
information in this field, which I think I can't wait for people to hear you. But before I get into just fangirling over you and your work, who are you and what do you do? So I'm Amanda Hill and I'm a financial advisor and planner for individuals and families. Amazing. And holy mackerel. Don't, don't we all just need that a little bit? I think we all need that. Like even financial advisors need financial advisors. Yes. It's like, I I always say coaches need coaches. Financial advisors need financial advisors. And we all just need a little bit of everything. Let's be real. We, yes, we all need a little bit of guidance in most like adulting areas of our life. It's worth it to, to check in with someone who's like, no, I do this all day, every day. Yes. Let me help point you in the right direction. Which speaking of which financial advisory, I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to call it. Yeah. Um, it's such a niche thing to devote your life's work to. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know a whole lot of people who are like, I want to talk about money every day, all day. (laughs) How did you get here? How did you fall in love with this work? It was definitely not a love of money. That was definitely not like my driving thing of like this crisp green thing. Like, I love it. Let's talk about this. Um, but I kind of, you know, I, I used to say I fell into it. And then I think that's kind of discrediting kind of the universe flow of mm. guiding me to where I am. Um, but it, like ever since I can remember, I've always loved organizing data. I've always really loved math, not Mm. from, I'm not good at mental math. Do not ask me simple multiplication, but I loved that there was a right answer. I loved in school where you're like, you can box your answer and they will give you a check. And you know, you did that right. Like as a perfectionist, did you say recovering perfectionist that fed a part of me of like, there is a solution And all of this, like the creative arts, like I have friends who are amazing at like color coordination and style and home decor and art and painting and all of that. Like, how do you do that? Like, you're just, there's no right answer. How do you Mm -hmm. know if you're doing it well? That gives me so much anxiety, but with numbers and with data, there was, there were patterns and there were answers and there were guidelines that you could use to help. I don't know, provide value and just make sure that you are on the right track. Like it gave me a little sense of comfort. Do you ever like think back to the SAT, ACT life where it was like, okay, like science, math, it was like, I'm very similar. I love a good like check mark. Mm-hmm. And then there's the writing portion where it's like, write an essay and we'll grade you. And it's like, but that's subjective. <laughs> like, like who knows if that's right? <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm right like, there but can, you. but can you like, just call me and tell me what you're thinking as you're reading it. So <laughs> then I don't, I don't have to like later in the day be like, well, shoot, what did I do wrong? I want to know exactly what I did wrong yep. and what I can do to make it better. And the, thank goodness. I identified that early in life and got into the finance field as quickly as possible. Like I yeah. studied that in college So my husband is a lawyer and he's like writing briefs and essays and all this stuff. And he's like, well, you know, I took a lot of English courses in college. Like I did not like, (laughs) thank you very much. I was taking very different courses in college and not saying that with finance and with your, you know, your, your financial health, that there is a right answer. It's, it is very subjective but there's a little bit of a science to it that allows you the freedom to do the art part of it. Ooh, Ooh that was a good, did that make sense? I, that totally made sense. I like, Oh my, I, that like just gets my gears going. Like, what are some things that we can do to have that like structure around things so that we get to enjoy the art? Exactly. And I feel like everyone has their own version of that. Like for me, like coaching, I love the structure of the neuroscience of the neurolinguistic programming, all that kind of stuff. So then the creativity, the art stuff, you, the personalization just gets to flow from it. Ooh, Ooh, you're, you're good. (laughs) (laughs) So this is obviously a podcast for perfectionists. I know you've, um, identified yourself as a recovering perfectionist, which I love having recovering perfectionists on the show (laughs) and perfectionists alike. Cause we're, none of us are perfect. Um, but especially when it comes to money, you and I were talking a little bit about this off air. This is such a dense 
topic. There's so much information out there that it's like almost this, where do I start? And overwhelm makes us want to avoid it. So what would you say is like, Hey, I want to start educating myself on money. I'm done feeling like, I don't know what the hell money is from a, you know, financial advisor standpoint, where would you say step one is for people? That's a, it's a very good question and it definitely depends on how you intake information. Mm -hmm. So, um, for the education piece, not for the action piece, but just kind of getting yourself, getting your resources in line. I'll share what worked for me because I work with a financial planner and advisor and it's been very helpful. Um, so I would go through and I, me having a knack for data and organization, I was like, I'm going to scour the internet and read all the Google articles. And I, re- I listened to a previous episode where you mentioned nerd wallet. I love nerd wallet, love nerd wallet. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to figure it all out and I'm going to get the right answers. And I, I got so overwhelmed mm. by all the information out there. And as soon as I saw conflicting or contradicting information, I was like, well, then what am I doing? What am I doing here? Then what's the, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> if you say do a Roth IRA, don't do a Roth IRA, then, then what, why am I, why am I here? Yeah. And I would just give up because it was too overwhelming to try to learn it and figure it out, especially for something that was so deeply personal, like your money yeah. or your attitude towards money. And it, when I first, first started working with a financial planner, my self-worth was tied up in my ability to perform and earn. And Mm -hmm. even if I wasn't, you know, making the absolute top that I wanted to make being seen as like a leader and someone who had their stuff together, that was really important. And going to someone and saying, Hey, I don't don't know what I'm doing around money just felt like such a failure. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know? And so honestly, and this is not, this is not a plug for my services. This is a like overarching anyone. Plug your services. Yeah. (laughs) Um, instead I, I, I value doing your own research and going online and doing that. But I think for perfectionists and in my experience, it could be really helpful to start with a conversation. Like you do discovery calls to introduce me. I do discovery calls as well. Mm -hmm. And a lot of financial planners and advisors out there do, do discovery or initial consultation or something to start a conversation because when it's all data and honestly, there's so much misinformation out there that it's so hard, or you see 18 different ways to save and you're like, yeah, but how do I do it? What's personal to me? What do I do? And starting with a conversation with a human who can say, okay, let's simplify. Let's forget all of this for now. Forget all of this. Let's focus on these core fundamentals as a starting block and we'll diversify later down the road. We'll get more sophisticated down the road. That was so helpful for me because I I need someone to be encouraging along the way. And the financial planner that I work with was able to provide that for me of, you know, in our first meeting, um, I, I had an old 401k that Mm. I just left in my old employer Mm. and I hadn't touched it. And in the back of my mind, I know like you're, you're not, you're supposed to be looking at that. You're Mm. supposed to be reinvesting that you're supposed to like, I knew in the back of my mind, but for some reason I just couldn't pull the trigger to actually look at it and do something with it. And for about three years, it just sat there. Yeah. And when I met with my financial planner, she said, you're way too conservative and you've Mm. essentially missed out on the COVID swing in the market. You've missed out on that growth. And I felt like the whole room was collapsing around me. I was like, you're telling me I've messed up. I've missed out. Not even that I had lost anything, but just that I had missed out on upside because I hadn't been paying attention and I just felt crushed. I felt like such a failure. And she was able to say, but you're looking at it now, but we're going to keep looking at it. And for me, my finances... you know, I can do it all day for other people, but for some reason with my own finances, it feels too big. It feels too heavy in this stage, in this stage of life. 
And I need to hire someone who can say, okay, we know it's too important to bury your head in the sand. And since that's your inclination right now, bring someone on board who can digest all the information, organize it for you, and then say, hey, here's where we are. And here's where we're going to get where we're going. Yeah. And that was huge for me because for some reason, uh, it felt too daunting, even though I was educated in it, I was licensed, I knew exactly what to do for someone else. There was some emotional hangup where I was like, I just, I'm so scared that I've done something wrong that I almost can't even, I can't even look at it. Like, like we were talking about Mm -hmm. with the SAT, I'm like, just tell me if I'm on track or not. Yeah. Like, just tell me if, if it's okay to look, because if it's a train wreck and I'm alone in trying to figure it out, I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to be like, it's too much. I'll deal with it later. Like, like you said, in one of your other episodes of like one day it'll magically be given. Yep. Like the Mm -hmm. right information, the right strategy will just come to me at some point. And that's not how it works. Mm -mm. Oh, oh my God. Everything you just said is so, I, I want everyone who, who just digested that to go back like two minutes and re listen to that because everything you just said was so flipping important and so powerful because I mean, first and foremost, it's so overwhelming that when we start to take in, our brain is literally not programmed to digest that many steps that we need to take at once. So it shuts down and that avoidance comes in that like turning a blind eye. Right. And having someone to be like, okay, look like for you personally, and also Mm -hmm. someone who has spent decades in this field or hundreds and thousands of hours in this field to look at you and say, okay, this is your step one, ignore all that other stuff. This is your step. We do the same thing in goal setting. Everyone tries to do like these 50 million different things and wonder why they're not making progress when in actuality, it's the same thing here. I love, Oh, I love it. When it crosses over, it's cutting out all the bullshit and just looking at one and get there. Yeah. And which one's the most important for you? Because what, what I love I love the people that are taking initiative and are trying to figure it out on their own more power to them. I, I love that. But for me, like I, I needed someone to take my actual financial situation into consideration, but also me as a person and my emotions. Cause I have clients that are liquidating investments in order to pay off debt, which you don't you don't tip it like it, it totally depends on your situation, but typically someone wouldn't say cash out your retirement, pay the fee and pay off your debt. It would be no, whatever you have to do, leave your retirement alone. Cause you pay such a high fee. Yeah. Um, and, and I have, there are people in our, in our team's portfolio that will liquidate that in order to pay off debt because they're literally up at night worrying about the debt. Mm. The life impact that that has on that person is so much more monumental than any like financial impact down the road that we're going to say, okay, we're going to go a different route and we're going to focus on paying down this debt because it is eating you up. It is impacting your ability to be present with your family. It is impacting your sleep and your health. Like it is not worth it. We will figure out another way and we'll do the smart, like we'll, we'll be intelligent about it and we'll be sophisticated about it, but we'll take care of what's important to you. And I think if that person had gone online, they might see something like, don't ever, you know, liquidate your investments at any cost. And meanwhile, this person's suffocating with student loan debt, just trying to do right by their family and they need personalized advice to their situation. Yeah. And I needed that as well. I needed someone to say, okay, here are the, here are the facts and here are the data, but then also here's you Mm -hmm. and here's what's important to you, what you would like to accomplish and what keeps you up at night and combining those two, here's our solution. And that's not something I could have figured out on my own. I I want to swing back to, cause I remember you saying like these things would contradict themselves. I remember I was reading it was either rich dad, poor dad, or the latte factor. It actually might've been both of them, which are two big, Mm -hmm. you know, financial books for people who are listening, who don't know. And I got so mad when I saw the interest rates. I, I even like called my parents 
and yelled, not at them, but just to them of like, what the fuck is this? Like they're talking about 10% interest, like all these super high things. Of course, they're going to be super financially. And like, I got so freaking angry because things have just changed. And there's so much, I'm not going to say misinformation, but dated information. And I I'm, I'm saying this to reiterate, talk to someone who is up to date, not a, like there's books, there's so many great books out there and that's fine. But like, if you have the means and the ability to talk to someone face to face, which like you said, most people do discovery calls or initial consultation calls, which are typically free. Yep. Talk to them because then you get the up-to-date information and you don't have to yell into your parents' ears about how 10% is not a thing anymore. And you're angry about it. So, (laughs) right. Yeah. And also like one thing that I've, I've learned as I spent more time in the finance industry is that everyone's perspective is just that it's their perspective. Yeah. You will talk to 10 different people and there are 10 different ways to manage your money. There is no like one stop shop or one particular method that is the cure all for everyone. Yeah. So it's really important to to make sure that whoever you're t- talking to aligns with your values and aligns with how you would like to move forward because there are so many different philosophies out there that if you get synced up with someone um that that might not be managing your money or advising you in the ways that aligns with your values mm-hmm. you're kind of wasting your time and theirs. Yeah you know, and it's going to keep setting you back. But if you can find someone that is able to um, get on the same page with you and help guide you in the right direction that you feel comfortable with, not saying they won't pose any hard questions or anything like that, but you know, if you share a like mind with them, then it's way easier to start making meaningful progress because you don't have that like philosophy clash, I guess. What are some big, like, philosophy clashes that you would see happening? Like maybe someone comes in and they're like, I want to be financially free by the time I'm 35. Like what would be a big philosophy clash for people to just really get this ingrained in their head? Yeah. Um, I think the, there are several, um, one that I've seen is around paying down debt. Mm, Like, okay. Is debt good or bad? And you will see a ton of different thoughts around that. Um, there's also active or passive investment strategy. So there mm-hmm. are some people that will say just invest in a like an ETF or something that mimics the market yeah. and just put it there because no one can outperform. And then there are people who are like, I'm going to stock pick. And I'm going to figure out who's going to outperform and get in on the ground floor and then ride that up. Totally. So if someone's coming to me and they're looking for someone who's a stock picker, they're barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not what my team does. We focus on really balanced, diversified, long-term horizons for our investments Mm -hmm. and making sure that people have an appropriate risk tolerance and timeframe for what they feel comfortable with. And there are other people out there that will be like, give me a hundred thousand dollars and I'll go pick a bunch of stocks and we'll see how they do in 10 years. Yeah. That's, that's not me. (laughs) You know, that is, that is not me. Um, so there, there are just different questions about like debt and investments. Um, there are a few others that I'm obviously forgetting right now that, Mm -hmm. that can just help you figure out if your person is going to help move you in the right direction. Totally. You know, how do you feel about robo investing out of curiosity? Or if you, I'm allowed to ask. Yeah. 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 Um, as a person, um, I think it is, it can be a great starting point, but I don't think it factors in some of the personal yeah. aspects of it. That can be really, really important. Um, I know that, you know, as technology evolves, there's going to be more sophisticated robo investing and already it's really great for people who are just wanting to kind of dip their toe in the water. Totally. I just, I personally enjoy being able to entrust that to my advisor and know that 
you know, they keep me in the loop. They understand kind of what my parameters are and they have a really great investment philosophy that I'm, I am behind, yeah. um, but then it eliminates the anxiety of wondering if I'm just a part of the algorithm or, yeah. you know, if my, if I really am the risk tolerance that they've said, or if I'd actually be better at a different one. Um, at me, I, why don't you? <laughs> So I just prefer having the personal touch and I'm willing yeah. to pay more for that because I've seen it done incorrectly, not through robo advisors specifically, um, but I have seen people nearing retirement where they don't have the money they thought they were going to have. And it is, it's an experience you don't forget. Mm-hmm of saying like, these people have worked so hard. They have done their best. And for whatever reason, it wasn't managed as consistently or effectively for long-term growth. And now they want to retire and they're not able to have the life that they want. And that's just heartbreaking. Yeah. Like it's absolutely, it's devastating to me. And I want to help people avoid that at all costs. Totally. Are you running around trying to achieve your goals, but feel like you're accomplishing nothing and making no progress? Or are you approaching every task on your to-do list with the urgency of a house fire causing you to burn out quickly? Or are you beating yourself up because you're not where you want to be and you're constantly telling yourself you're behind? Or are you overwhelmed by your big goals and it's causing you to procrastinate on what you really truly want? If I just added you in any way, hear me on this. You are not alone. And it's for those exact reasons why I created Goal Smasher, my step-by-step technique to help you set clear goals, create and implement an overwhelm-free plan, and learn the secret for keeping your motivation high and consistent. And now, Goal Smasher is live and available to everyone. By the way, this is the exact technique that has led my clients to starting and going full-time in their dream businesses, being featured on top publications, hitting record-breaking monthly revenues, going from unemployed to making over six figures, losing 80 pounds in under a year, moving across the country to their dream state, receiving their doctorate, making healthier lifestyle choices that add up to big energy boosts, and so much more. With Goal Smasher, you will get a crystal clear plan for what you want. Create a strategy on exactly how to get there. Plus, you'll learn the secret sauce for how to stay motivated and fulfilled, not just until you reach the finish line, but throughout the whole process. The best part? Goal Smasher is a tool you can use over and over and over and over again with each new goal you have. Goal Smasher is available now. Check it out by going to lifecoachbaker.com forward slash goal smasher or click the link in the description. Now back to the episode. What are some big, like, I know you work with a lot of clients. What are some really common mistakes, I guess is the right word when they come to you, what are some common mistakes that you see people doing with their money that maybe listeners can start to, if, if this is them start to kind of have in the back of their heads? Oh, that's a very good question. And I mean, our clients age from like early twenties to late eighties. So I mean, so a nice little narrow scope, you know, know, it's very niche, (laughs) very niche and all across the board. Um, so it's kind of hard to say what a really common, I guess, pitfall Mm -hmm. is. Um, but some of the things that I see my younger clients struggling with is saving because it's, it's not sexy. And you and, I talked, okay, yeah, you and I have talked about this before, but they expect like, as they earn more, their expenses creep up yeah. alongside it. And so their saving capacity is not any bigger. Mm-hmm. And they think like, you know, oh, I'm buying a handbag, but that's an investment or I'm buying a car, but that's an investment. And they're not, um, 
they're, they're depreciating assets. You know, they're in assets that lose value over time, not gain them. And so being able to start to put away cash or investments, like I, I say cash as like a stepping stone to investments. I don't think you should just save into cash, but as my personal opinion, um, but being able to start accumulating funds that can go towards assets that are appreciating, not depreciating is a big one. What what are some examples of appreciating versus depreciating? I know you mentioned like cars, handbags are depreciating. What are some appreciating ones? Yeah, no, that's a very good question. And it's, when I say it out loud, it depends because Mm -hmm. something like one, the market is unmanageable. Like you can't, you cannot predict, no one has a snow globe, so you can't say this asset is always going to go up in value. Yeah. But like the stock market, that is a roller coaster of people with only like ironclad wills can be really <laughs> aggressive on. But over most long-term periods, the stock yeah. market will go up. So, you know, even if just from inflation, those values will go up. Yeah. Um, something like real estate tends to be an appreciating asset. Not all the time. I've, Mm -hmm. I know plenty of people that have lost money on their houses, depending on when they have to sell. Yeah. That's a huge one on whether your, your value is going up or down, but the depreciating assets are essentially anything that loses its value after use. Amazing. Okay. That's I feel like that's really helpful for sure for people. Cause like, I always think about, um, like stock market, like, uh, I, I obviously don't know your opinion on this, but my fiance is really into the cryptocurrency market. It's like what his job is in. And, um, he really likes looking at it as like, okay, like these are super high, these are super low, but the way I look at it is more like the stock market. It's like, it's an overtime thing. Like, you know, Bitcoin might go up and down 11,000 points or whatever it is, but it might like over time, it might do that. And I think that it's like, we forget the long game. I feel like in finances, cause people like quick cash, like quick fixes, which you and I, we could write a Ted talk about, to be honest. (laughs) um, But I feel like it is such a long game thing that the second we start to shift our mindset from like short, short, quick bursts to those long things, it starts to feel much more manageable. I don't know if that's just my opinion, but that's how I, when I made that switch from like short, quick, like invest this here, oh God, put this there, blah, 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 like freaking out instead of that, looking at it like, okay, over time, I'm going to take X amount of dollars per month and put it into this account. Like, and just let that grow. It just, it's so hard to wrap our mind around that way, but I feel like once we do, it becomes a lot more manageable. I'd love, I I don't know if that's your opinion as well, but absolutely. Um, I cannot opine on crypto. That's one thing I'm not not (laughs) legally allowed to do. Um, but the long game is how we recommend people look at the stock market in general, like I just speak from an educational standpoint, not from an advisory standpoint, but the, the stock market over most long-term periods of time will go up. That's what we've seen. We can't predict the future. No past performance is not an indicator of future performance, but in the past, we've seen it go up over the Mm long-term. And a lot of people that get into trouble are people that follow the, the market so closely that when it dips, they panic and they sell. So as you're, when you invest in like a a stock or a mutual fund or something in, in the equity or bond market, the value is unrealized. So it's going up and down as people out there buy and sell the same shares that you own, your price is going to go up and down and up and down and up and down. And It's like, it's trying to, if you're trying to time it or you're trying to like control it, you're essentially like trying to make a logical decision that is based in emotional behavior, you know? So like, if you, like when, when COVID hit, what I did with my, (laughs) I'm, I'm sorry. I just remember like the COVID like March, like 
like doomsday drop. I'd love to hear what you did though. Cause I, I'm truly, I'm truly curious. I did nothing. Yes. (laughs) I did nothing. Amazing. If if anything, when the stock market dropped, I invested more because you're buying those on discount. But for me, I have my personal philosophy, especially now that I've hired someone to help me analyze my portfolio at intervals. Like it's not an everyday thing. It's not panicked. It's not reactionary. It's very systematized and planned out so that it reduces anxiety for me and for my advisor. Um, But kind of what we've been able to do is invest in assets that are long-term like any kind of qualified account is going to be a long-term time horizon, like 20 or 30 years. We need to find a qualified account real quick for people. Yeah. So um, a qualified account, like think your 401k at work. Beautiful. It basically means that as you buy and sell things in the account, the taxes are going to be deferred until you actually withdraw those. Amazing. So the ups and downs in the account I know that I'm going to get a huge penalty if I try to take money out of my 401k before I'm 59 and a half or whenever mm-hmm. the, the age is down the line. So if I know I'm not touching that money and I know in the back of my head, I feel confident in the past performance of the stock market and I trust my advisor, <laughs> I'm not going to look at it Yeah, because it's only going to cause me panic. And I know that it's in my best interest to not take any action on that. If, I mean, invest in, buy them at a discount, but the people that um, get into a lot of trouble are typically people that sell at the bottom. Yeah, They panic and they pull their money out and then they're paying fees and they're paying um, like IRS penalties. They're doing all that, all that fun stuff. And they've just sold their asset at a low value. Yeah which is the opposite of what they recommend of like the buy low, sell high, you know, it's like, why would you go, you know, like if you're, if you have like a, a car and the car value, it's like, things are at an all time low right now. Cars just aren't worth anything. There are so many out there. Why would you sell your car then? You would wait until a period, like what's happening actually right now, where used cars are so scarce that their prices are jacked up. That's when you sell. Yeah. And selling when the stock market crashes or goes down is like a way of realizing that lost money. Yeah. Is that something you see really off? I feel like I grew up hearing buy low, sell high, buy low, sell high. It's like ingrained in my DNA, I feel like. But is that something you see pretty often? Yeah. Yeah. So with um, one of the benefits, I've listened to a lot of financial advisor podcasts and Cause I'm a nerd like that. I love it. No, this is good. <laughs> and there's, you know, there are some people that kind of balk at the idea of hiring a financial advisor as I can do it myself. I don't need to spend that money. Like I'll just, I'll do it DIY style. I'll research. Okay. But when stuff hits the fan and the market crashes, if you are someone who says, I would get scared and I don't have any support. So I would just say, yeah, pull out, go to cash. You are losing so much more than you would have quote invested in a financial advisor. That's all like general. Like I, I want to preface all of that with like, that is not chills. Yeah. I have chills. I want, again, people go back 30 seconds and re-listen <laughs> to that because it is so freaking important because so many perfectionists, I hear this time and time again, uh, I can do it myself. I can do it myself. I can do this on my own. And yet you're not right. Because we get so in our own way. Emotions are like, especially in things like this, those reactionary emotions, they're on autopilot. They're not in our conscious mind. Mm -hmm. And so to think that, oh, in those moments, I'll just think logically you like odds are, if you have a pattern of not doing that in the past, you probably won't. So having someone to call you out on that pattern and say, no, now's not a good time to sell everything. Like here's why instead, like 
I, I, oh, I just think that's so important. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for hitting on that. Seriously. Yeah. It saves people a ton of heartache in the long run to just have that like safeguard, that accountability, that level head. And that's why like I have a financial advisor because I don't want to make emotional decisions about my money. I want someone objective and clear-headed to be able to say, okay, here are the pros and cons here, where we're at risk. Here's where we're not. And this is, this is how we make the decision together. You know, if, if I'm left on my own, I'm, I'm going to get scared because, you know, money, although it is just a, you know, a green sheet of paper or a little plastic card, if you don't have it, it creates such intense problems and having too much of it can also create such intense problems that it is tied for a lot of people to like an okayness. Am I going to be okay? And that it, and people it's, it's so hardwired in us to when something bad happens or something unexpected happens to like fight flight or freeze. Mm -hmm you know, and there are so many people that will flight. Like it will say, Nope, I thought I wanted to do this stock thing and I don't, and they'll pull out and they actualize the thing they fear the most. Yeah. You know? Oh my God. There's, um, did you ever read think and grow rich by T Hart? No, not, not think and grow rich, uh, secrets to the millionaire mind by T Hart Becker. I have you read that. He talks about, how there are four different types of people with money. And I think I might've talked about this on another podcast. I can't remember, but there's the saver, the person who's like hoarding, basically the spender, basically like drinks are on me tonight, that kind of person. There's the avoider where it's like, you, uh, as the name states, you basically turn a blind eye. You don't look at your money because it causes you a lot of stress and anxiety. And then there's the monk who's just like happy guru pants with money. I'm going to ignore the monk for a second. Cause there's, that's like 2% of the population. I think is in the monk category. I'm, I used to be, and I'm wildly working on avoider. And I know a lot of people tend to be either in the avoider, especially in the perfectionist category, avoider or, um, saver. Uh, do you have any suggestions for each of these three categories for a saver, a spender and an avoider as to what to do? Again, I know it's so personal. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't. I don't want to give any advice. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I want to stay. No, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. Um, but I will tell you some trends and recommend not recommendations. That's the wrong word. Um, some opportunities for them. Um, so with the <laughs> actually, I don't even know if this will be helpful because it's like say is spender stop spending and avoider stop avoiding and you know, saver, put it to better use. Oh my you know? God. I love like, how you just like cut the bullshit. Like it's just this. <laughs> no, I mean, if you think about your, your main, some of the main factors in being able to build long-term wealth, mm-hmm. security, financial independence, whatever you want to call it, you're building this machine of investments. That's going to pay off some rate of return that you can live off of. Yeah. And some of the main factors in whether or not you're able to build that is the amount you put in and the time you have to do it. Yeah. So for a lot of people, time, you, you can't, you can't be like, well, never mind. I'm going to go back 10 years and um, I'm going to get any started time turners on our, on our, and if you, like, if you are like, let me know, I'd love to meet you, but I'd go back to when Apple was just starting and just throw every penny. I yes. have in it. Like, here you go. Here you go. Um, so, you know, a lot of people, the time it might not be their most powerful way to build that, um, because they don't have as much of it, but they can control how much they put in. Yeah. And if you are sitting there and you are spending as much as you're making, then you're not setting yourself up for success in the long run. Yeah. You know, you're not, you might have time, but you don't have the funds being contributed that are going to compound over time and kind of build that machine for you. Totally. Perfect. And, and avoiders so- talk to someone. Yeah. 
as someone who was an avoider who did just that, I can confirm it works. (laughs) Like avoider who asked for help. Yes. Right here. Oh God. I just, I think that especially with money, since it is so charged, I feel like there's like two topics in the world that are as charged as, or I think, excuse me, I think there's one topic in the world that is just as charged as money. And I think that's sex. Like money and sex, I always hear go hand in hand because like, you don't talk about it at the dinner table. Like, or like, if you talk about it, you're a bad person. If you have too much of it, you're a bad person. If you have none of it, you're a bad person. Like it's, it's just so charged. But, um, a lot of the times we feel like we can't ask for help for the taboo topics because I should just already know this or anything like that. And it's like, we don't learn this shit in school. I don't know any schools who teach this. Like, I, <laughs> I, I wish so- everyone could have just seen Amanda's face because <laughs> it was like, <sighs> do not get me started on this. It is. Oh, please, I, please go off on it. I'm so I, excited. Okay. So I opened my first bank account when I was like nine. Yep. I studied, I got a finance degree from a large institution here in Texas. Yeah. I worked at a bank for years doing large corporate credit risk. I had like some of the largest companies as my clients that I was working on. And I will tell you, I learned 80% of what I now apply in my personal financial journey when I went through the licensing process to be a financial planner. They don't teach you this stuff in school. I remember in middle school learning how to write a check. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's like, what? no, teach us about credit. Teach us about saving. Teach us about all this kind of stuff that is imperative to having this healthy financial journey. And they, I don't, hopefully they will, or they do, but ew, I didn't, I, I didn't learn it. I wish I had learned about like, APRs on credit cards, like the, the, like never learned about that. Luckily I've, I have a mom who's like a crazy person when it comes to interest on credit cards. Like she's taught me everything I know, but so many of my friends went and maxed out their cards and were just like, Oh, I have to pay interest on this. And then their credit score like plummeted. And it was just like, it just, it, Ah, like it, like there, it's just so, I'm not going to say it's so easy to learn, but it's so accessible and yet it's not presented. And I'm not like, don't even get me started on like, depending on where you are in the social systemic yeah, population, but like there's access issues. There's, oh my God. Well, okay. That's another, that's another podcast, yeah. but um, I do really want to talk about this because I know something that you're really passionate about is also your podcast on sobriety. Yes. And um, I want to talk about that because I know you also feel like sobriety and finances are very overlapping for you. So yeah, I'm going to hand you the mic. I really want to just hear about your journey into why this became such a huge part of your life. Yeah. So I got sober six and a half years ago. I was 20. Thank you. I was 25 yeah. at the time. It was not a cool decision for <laughs> most. Most of my friends were like, I'm sorry, what are you doing? Like, this is, this is not cool. Like you're not yeah. going to be at wine night anymore. I'm confused. Um, and so I, I met one of my friends who's now become like one of my closest friends. Her name is Molly. And we met a few months into our sobriety journey at this young person's 12 step recovery meeting. Oh, wow. And we've just kept up over the years and she's been wonderful. And actually right around when I was doing the self-helpless podcast, mm-hmm. um, Delaney was really encouraging to me, Delaney Fisher, someone that we both know. And I think Love she's her. been on this podcast, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the audience will know her too. Um, she recommended that I start to speak about my experience with recovery um, because a lot of people that are young women, I guess, stay in the drinking game too long. And don't know of anyone that is still having a great life and not drinking alcohol. It's so prevalent that the idea of not drinking feels impossible. Yeah. And so um, I approached my friend Molly and I was like, hey, I might do like an Instagram something and just, or like a YouTube video or something. I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, will you join me on it? Yeah. And so we had this conversation. It was wonderful. It was like about expectations and how to like survive a holiday party without drinking. And it was great. And afterwards she was like, that was really fun, but like, 
you know, something like, uh, if it goes really well, I might force you to do a podcast with me. And I was like, Molly, that's like a really good idea. But I was like, I don't, I don't know how to start a podcast. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if anyone would want to hear this. Um, so we started a podcast. We went out on a limb, started a podcast. It's called the life, not wasted podcast. It's all about living a life, not wasted. I, what a good name. What a good name. It's the the only creative (laughs) success I've ever had is coming up with that name. I'm like, brava. That is Thanks. So punny. It is so good. Oh, the, the double meaning just chef's kiss. That's so oh, good. I love it. I feel so validated. I'm like, I am not, <laughs> do not ask me to do anything with colors or creativity or drawing, but I can be punny occasionally. <laughs> I can. Yeah. So we started that podcast about a year ago and we do it. It's just a, like a passion project. Yeah. It's a, it's, we don't make any money off it. It's not. It, so it, we, I think we only have like 18, 20 episodes, something like that. We're yeah. still recording them, but it's not as consistent as like yours and Delaney's and all of that. But it's really to share kind of what our experience has been, what we've learned along the way, and then kind of give people comfort if they're going through the same thing. Because getting sober can be so lonely because it's not just yes. about alcohol. It is a full if you work the 12 steps, it is a full inventory and overhaul of your emotional, mental, physical being. It is exhausting. And the absolute best thing I've ever done for myself was get sober and everything that I have in my life. I look around, I'm like, I would not have that if I was still drinking. I would not have that if I was still drinking and going through kind of the growing up and maturing process that I was able to do through the 12 steps. Um, but I, I, when I was reaching out to you, I was talking about the, the comparison between sobriety and finance as like a lot of unsexy steps that allow your life to be so much more fulfilling and full and joyful because you're taking care of yourself. And you're asking for help. Like I did not do sobriety on my own. I did not do my finances on my own. Like I have asked for help in those areas and found trusted resources that can guide me along the way. Yeah. Um, and and it it doesn't always feel good. Like sometimes I want to shop. Sometimes I want to drink. And if I give it enough time, if I leave the item in the cart long enough, it'll pass. Yeah. And I realized, oh, I'm not any better or less because of it or without it or with it. And life moves on. Mm -hmm. And then I look up and I'm able to say, I've got six and a half years sober. Oh my gosh. Like in what world am I six and a half years sober? I used to love wine. Like the idea of not drinking and be like, just kill me. Like, Like that just sounds like, okay, I'd lose all my friends. I wouldn't be a very much fun. I wouldn't have anything to do. And now I have these friendships that are so much more true to me because I'm able to show up in the world more calm, more authentic, um, more like spiritually connected with the universe around me and other people. And I feel the same way about finance, like knowing that I have someone that I'm, I'm trusting to walk alongside me, not make my decisions for me but to walk alongside me as I'm making those decisions, I don't panic when I see the stock market change. I I don't, (sighs) I don't panic when we have to, we're look in the market for a home right now. And I'm not, I'm not panicked about that. Like I'm not, I'm not stressed. Thanks. If we, if we find one, then that'll be great. It is a journey. (laughs) It is a journey. journey. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm it's, it's equipping yourself and starting to make these small, healthy choices that compound into this amazing journey yeah. to where you are awake, you are aware, you are like you, you know what's going on in your own house and you just can flourish. Oh my gosh. You're bringing me so back. Cause I, there was a time in my life where I was like super heavy partying, drinking. I mean, I'd wake up at like noon the next day and just feel like a horrendous sack of something bad. And I finally was just like cold Turkey. Like 
this is not who I want to be. This is not who I want to become. And I I've, I've totally forgotten about that. Like period of like two months where I had to say no to all my friends, like, cause they would go out at night and I'd be like, no, that's not the life I'm choosing to live anymore. And there was every, every alarm bell in my brain was going off because it's like, you are leaving the pack and thus you're going to die. Like, cause we're pack living human beings in the cave ages. If we said, Hey, um, tribe, I'm going to peace out girl scout. Like you'd be dead within morning. Like it's linked to survival in our heads. And I remember just like that severe discomfort. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it, but then I got approached by a few of my friends and saying like, Hey, I actually kind of want to do this too. Like, mm-hmm. like let's make mocktails or like, let's like go to bed at eight. And I'm like, my people like, yay. And like some friendships yeah. didn't survive. Like I'm going to be super real, but now I'm looking back on it. And it's like those friendships in my version of my life, I don't feel like they were serving me to be the person I want to be. And that was a really hard decision, but I'm so glad I made it. And now I've invited alcohol back, but now it's a completely different relationship. Like for me, it was like two drinks back then was like a light night. And like, now it's like a half a cider twice a week. And I'm like, woohoo, I'm getting crazy. Like, but it, it totally changed my life because of that decision, because it's so social. And I know you've, you and I have talked about this uh, previously, like how just social drinking is. And when mm-hmm. it's linked that much to being part of the pack, right? it's like, it, it, I just, I'm, I commend you first of all, for being so incredibly vulnerable in your journey. And I really urge people to go listen to this podcast because especially if you're saying like, Ooh, that's something that I want to check out or like, I, like going even less on my drinking is something I want to hear, like having a support system, even if it's just between your ears is so important. So I really urge people to go listen to your show. I'm just so excited for you. And six years is freaking amazing. Six and a half years is even more amazing. Like, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. And it, it definitely was jarring at first. Like the social aspect of it was really jarring. And then over time, exactly what you said, some relationships fell off, some got stronger, some, you know, were new and came, came into the picture because of it. But my, how I, how I had in my first year, I had to withdraw. Like I had to, I could not abstain a hundred percent and still be around alcohol as frequently as I was. Like there was no good reason for me to go to a bar or stay past like 10. Mm -hmm. Like I'll meet y'all for brunch the next day. I don't need to be here once y'all start blacking out. That's not (laughs) in my best interest. Yeah, totally. Um, and now it i can go anywhere yeah at any time with anyone and i feel good like i don't i don't need to avoid alcohol because i know that for me it needed to go like it wasn't it was not cute it was not sustainable and the more i see people that are drinking normally and i'm exposed to that i'm like oh that's not how i did it yeah like the half a cider thing, I'd be like, no, no, you get the whole six pack and then you make sure there's a backup. Yeah. Like, you know, like that's, that's yeah. what I wanted. That's how I drank. And the more I'm seeing people like my husband is freakishly normal about alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, like he'll order something. And then if we have to go or leave, he'll just leave it there. I'm like, no, you chug it before you leave. Oh like, my you God. Don't- you're bringing me so back. Cause I was so the same way. Yes. I'm like, it's not, I was like, something's broken in your brain. Cause I don't know how you do that. It's like, it's just not super important to him. Yeah. And he likes to have fun. He'll go out. Like, you know, he's like a normal dude, but it doesn't grip him yeah. the way it gripped me. And the more I see that I'm like, Oh yeah, no, we're different. Yeah. You've, you've earned the right to drink moderately, even get drunk. Me, I have already drank in all my drinks. Like I, I have, I have already used up all maxed the- out that credit card. <laughs> like- yeah, I've maxed out the limit. I can't, like, I can't do it anymore. I've lost the privilege of partaking in that because it just, it consumed me. Oh my gosh. That is just, it's so inspiring. And I love how 
you guys co cohabitate in this, like, cause there's so often it's like, it's all or nothing and you mm-hmm. have to be together on it. And I love that you guys have different views on that. And you're like, so connected. Like that is, Ooh, that's so cool. So seriously, people go listen to the show. I could talk to you <laughs> for hours and I, I really am resisting the urge to just keep this going for literally four days. But, um, I do want to do our two quick segments that we do with every single, uh, show and every single guest. And that is first and foremost, how were you imperfect this week? Um, the, the one that's just off the top of my head. Um, I sent a rather large email and didn't BCC people. I sent them in the two field. And if like for Outlook, there's like two carbon copy and then blind carbon copy and blind carbon copy. The BCC is like where no one sees it. And I sent all of these people's emails like in the two field. So they all saw the email that I was going to everyone. And it was like a skill I learned in high school and I just blank a blanked and I was yeah. so like there was so much stuff on my plate and I sent it and it was like I mean it's like 200 people like it was a big it was a big yeah. off. and it I'm I'm proud of myself that I didn't absolutely beat myself up about it it was like it was so extreme it was such a bad mistake that I was like in, in my, in my world where like confidentiality is huge and totally. you know, all that, I mean, these, these were not clients. These, so the, there was not confidentiality for clients breached, but it was like a, like a networking email. And I, it would have been better form to put them in blind carbon copy. And I just like, that was literally the best I could do with, I read that email so many times and the, I, that was the absolute best I could do. I want perfectionists to listen to this right now because it's like, we can have that moment of like, oh my God. like yeah. but then we get to talk ourselves down and say, that was the best I, I could do in the moment. Like I, that, that is such a good mantra to have. Like, I love that. And it's so much easier said than done. Cause like, if someone yes. else is like, oh, you did your best. Like, no, the oh, best I get perfectionist. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, like don't say that to me. Like, but I I mean, I spent two hours with that email and the, the invite list and like all of the things it was like, I spent so an inordinate amount of time on that email and I just made a mistake Yeah, and it's, there's absolutely nothing I can do about it now. Oh, Oh, that is one of my favorite answers because it's so like a, a typical human day. Like it's not like this, like astronomical anything like it's so like such a typical human error and just how you dealt with that is just probably one of my favorite yeah probably one of my favorite answers to that (laughs) question I've ever heard um last but not least what is one step you've made towards a goal this week can be big or small does not matter um I showed up for work on Monday beautiful uh, beautiful (laughs) I like, I, I had a particularly challenging week last week with just a lot of people needing things and I want to be perfect for all of my clients. And that's just not realistic. And over the weekend, I was like, you know, a typical, like how I, my perfectionism manifests very dramatically. And so I'm just like, I can't do it anymore. And my husband's like, yeah, but you're gonna, like, you're gonna get through this and it's gonna be okay. And you're gonna show up. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna go into work on Monday. And then I I've had like the best week, you know, it's, it's been wonderful, even, you know, with faux pas, like it's, it's been great. And I was like, you know what? I feel like that boxer that's like, I'm gonna stay in the ring and I'm gonna like keep showing up even when I'm not perfect. And even when it's just like, how in the world is this all going to get done? I'm just going to, sh- I'm going to show up. Oh, you are so wise. You are such a good human. Uh, again, I could just freaking talk to you for hours. Uh, Amanda, where can people find you? Where can they get a hold of you? If they're like, man, uh, this woman has the goods that I need. Where can they shoot you, shoot you a message? Yeah. So um, the podcast that we mentioned is life, not wasted podcast on Instagram. If you, that's the email address, that's the, the website, whatever, you know, can tell I'm like really hip with all the terms. Um, <laughs> we'll put the links to all that in the show notes yeah. for life, not wasted also. Yeah. And then, um, for financial planning, our team's website is launch point 
wa.com. Beautiful. And, we'll, again, and all my, con- all my contact information is in like one of the tabs is like our financial advisory team. And you can see my face and go to my website through that. And one. her face is so pretty. It's so wonderful. It's glowing. <laughs> like, thank you. You're welcome. Amanda, thank you so much. This was just so incredible. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And thank you for having this podcast. It's wonderful. That's so nice. You're welcome for having this <laughs> podcast. I said this 5,000 times in the episode, but I could talk to her for years. Like, what a delightful human being. You guys, I said this at the beginning of the episode. I'm going to say it again. Please take advantage of the individualized resources she mentions. I know she dropped her team's info in there. Her team does individualized discovery calls. Use them. Use them, use them. And it doesn't have to be with her team. It can be with someone completely different, but use the resources she dropped to make this personal for you rather than just trying to scramble with all the all the um, information that there is out there because it can feel really daunting and it can feel really overwhelming. And if we know anything on this podcast, perfectionists, overwhelm is a motivation killer. So please do something that will give you that really tactical advice. And she is obviously an expert in this area. So Amanda, thank you so much. Also, go check out her podcast, Life Not Wasted. What an, okay, I said this again, but what an amazing freaking title. So good. Go check it out. The link is in the show notes. You guys, I hope you have an amazing day. I hope you got a lot of really good nuggets out of the episode. And I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.